Heads. Welcome back to the Talking Lead Podcast. This is episode 212, and uh, we're coming off a busy week. I have been kind of a whirlwind tour. I've been down to Glock. You guys heard last week's episode 211. I took the Glock operator course. Had a great time, so make sure you guys check out last week's episode 211. We had uh, their vice president of operations of North America, Josh Dorsey, on the show. And then we had the trainers, Willie, Chris, Chuck, and the gang. And then we had several people that took the course with me to get their feedback. So very good, uh, very good show, very informational about the course. So if you guys are interested in taking that course, listen to it and find out how you can do that. So this week, we've got kind of a menagerie show going on. We've got an attorney and we've got a Habu on with us this week. So let's let's start off with uh, Steve Steve Parker with Falcon Thirty Seven, and correct me if I'm wrong. Are you guys the creator of the Habu, or are you distributors of the Habu? We are the inventors, and okay, yeah, yeah you're the creators. Safariland manufactures it for us. Uh, you know, Bill Rogers and Safariland okay. believe in the product. Okay, and we're going to get into that. We're going to talk about the Habu. I'm sure most of uh, our listeners have heard about it. Uh, I'm excited to learn more about this product. And then also joining us, Adam Kraut. This is his second time on the show. We uh, met Adam for the first time at NRA this year. And uh, Adam was, as you guys heard, if you listened to that show, he was running for the NRA Board of Directors. And uh, unfortunately, uh, we didn't hear about it until late in the ball game, so we weren't able to give our full support to him. And uh, he just came up a little short, just a little short. So Adam's going to be making another run for the NRA board, and uh, we're going to talk about that on how you guys can get behind Adam and uh, help get uh, some youth on that board and uh, somebody who, who understands our generation and our needs and our wants. And then we're also going to be talking some legal stuff, too. I know Adam is an attorney, and uh, he's going to have some some updates on some bills and Laws that are uh, in pro. He's looking at me funny. He's like, "What are you fucking talking about?" <laughs> <laughs> or maybe not. I don't know. It, it's going to be interesting. But I know uh, Steve's got to go quick. Uh, he's not. Are you not going to be with us the whole time, Steve? Sure, we will. Oh, okay. All right. Well, good. So you just do the whole show with us then. So let's go ahead and thank our sponsors, Frontier Tactical, makers of the Warlock system. Now, you may be asking yourself, you know, what is a Warlock system? So the Warlock system is a simply an adapter that goes over where your barrel nut was on your AR-15, and it gives you the ability to shoot up to 90 different calibers from your AR-15 platform. Uh, have you heard of them, Adam? No, I haven't. You never heard of Frontier Tactical? you got to check them out, man. It's pretty awesome, awesome product. Awesome stuff. And not only do they have the Warlock, but they have started their own line of AR-15s, the FT series, that comes standard with the Warlock system on it and all the adjustments that you need done, uh, you know, the wider ejection port area, wider magwell, uh, already ready to go for you so you can start enjoying it right out of the box, multi-caliber uh, system from your AR, like I said, up to 90 different calibers. It's freaking phenomenal. And they've even got pistols too, so they make awesome truck guns, uh, camping guns, backpack guns. Uh, they've even got uh, a video out where they show uh, a lady that's got one in her purse. They can get them that compact. It's pretty cool stuff. Sure. X Steel Targets. X Steel Targets. 
the most affordable, best AR500 steel targets on the market today, xsteeltargets.com. If you guys need reactive targets, you need just some cool, fun targets to shoot, you need uh, hunting targets, they've got them. If they don't have one there you need, they can make it for you. They've got Texas Stars, they've got Dueling Trees. Uh, check them out, xsteeltargets.com. And then, of course, as I'm mentioning all our sponsors, Leadheads, you know that you can use the discount code LEADHEAD, and you're going to get awesome discounts from all our sponsors as you go to their websites. Modern Spartan Systems. Optimize your firearms with Modern Spartan Systems products. They have cleaning solutions. They've got lube solutions. Uh, they've even got uh, a glass cleaning solution for your optics. Now check them out. And, of course, you guys know the old lead sled is over 300,000 miles due to their engine additive product, TVT, engine additive that they've got. And uh, I'm getting ready to start putting it in Pepper's vehicle, too. She's got a new Jeep. Um, what are those those new little small Jeeps they got out there? I don't know what brand or what the model it is, but, uh, you know, it's a little cute girl Jeep. <laughs> I don't know what they are. Um, but we're going to start putting that in uh, her Jeep, too, and see if that increases her mileage. I know that I've experienced... Um, a noticeable increase in my gas mileage, um, especially on my trip down to Georgia and back. And then also went to Chattanooga this week down to the uh, Chattanooga Shooting Supply, I guess it's Dealers uh, Convention or Show, and uh, met some people down there this week. I'll talk about that a little bit later too. But uh, make sure you check them out at modernspartansystems.com. And then right on USA, the official optics of Talking Lead, baby. Right on. <laughs> right on. Uh, so I just got in. I made the announcement last week that they were releasing their micro red dot and their 3X magnifier. And I got mine in uh, just a little bit before I headed out to Chattanooga. And I posted some pictures on social media. Uh, I mounted those on my Nordic Components PCC, a 9mm pistol carbine uh, rifle. And I'll tell you, that RTR Mod 3 micro dot is beautiful. Have you seen it yet, Steve? Sure have. Those things are yeah. awesome, man. Uh, crystal yeah, well, clear, the, that 3X magnifier, wow. Yeah, we don't have those actually right now. We use right-on optics on a couple of our demo rifles, and uh, most of your companies are like us with Antares Alliance. Yes, sir. So, that is true, and they are members of the Antares Alliance, veteran-owned company, family-owned company, American-owned company, right on USA. You guys, go check them out, and then, of course, use that uh, discount code LEADHEAD, and uh, Brady's going to give you guys an awesome discount just for being LEADHEADS. And then, oh, by the way, if you happen to be military law enforcement, you're going to get up to 40% off your purchase from right on USA. So no no reason not to check them out. I mean, they're already affordable the way they are, my gosh, uh, for the quality that you're getting from them. Glock, the official carry of left hand, of talking lead. Yep, that's me. Uh, Steve, I rock the Glock 23. What's your personal carry? Uh, it just happens to be the Glock 23. Are you Gen serious? 40. Of course. Wow, I found another 40 guy. That's awesome. Yeah. We're, we're a dying breed, brother. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the 40's okay. been getting a bad rap lately since those uh, police departments have uh, switched back to nine, some of the police departments. but uh, I don't think you and I would have much of a problem controlling the... the oh, government. no. No, no, no. Not at all. 
And uh, I'm excited uh, to drop the news coming up here in the next couple of months about Glock. They've got some new stuff coming out that we can't talk about yet, uh, but I did get some hands-on with that uh, new product, and I will be talking about it more in the future. All right, guys. So I think we lost Adam. No, I'm still here. Oh, are you there? Okay. That sounds like. Oh yeah. Okay. You drew, you kind of went away there, man. So I thought you. I, I killed I killed the video because it was I was getting a little bit of garble, so I figured it might help with the, the okay. latency here a little bit. Okay, well, good. Well, I would have included you in my uh, little uh, sponsor spills there. Sorry. <laughs> oh, that's cool. I carry in case you care. I carry uh, Vickers Glock 19, one of the uh, the actually the first run of the Vickers Glocks Lipsies did. So nice. Um, yeah, the G19. I love it. Yeah, it's a it's a good gun, and uh, the everybody complains about the RTF2 texture for some reason. It's too rough. It's too aggressive. I mm -hmm. think it's until I held that new MMP 2.0. I think it's one of the best texture grips out there. Yeah, well, <laughs> I go and stipple my grips anyway. So um, the texture. <laughs> In this industry, everybody seems to have an attitude or opinion about stuff they've never really tried. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's gonna uh, we're gonna talk about um, another handgun later on in the show. It's actually gonna be part of the Jack Wagon train. Which um, before we get into talking about the Habu, I hear the Jack Wagon train rolling in. So Gunny, bring that train in. Gunny, the Gunny. Hurrah, Semper Fi, do or die, hold them high at eighth and I. It is time for the talking lead Jack Wagon of the week. So brace yourself, baby. All right, the train has stationed. And uh, we need to get this thing loaded up and headed out. Gunny's got other things he needs to do today, too. So I'm going to kick this off. And uh, this has kind of been hot in the news lately. And we had a show on this, the MHS competition, the XM-17 um, handgun competition for the military. And, of course, we all know that the SIG made it through to the next phase, the P320. And, uh, you know, we did a whole show on that. You guys can go back and listen to that. Uh, but in the news lately, uh, there's been some people that have done some extensive testing, and they seem to be discharging when dropped. Have you guys heard about this? Yeah. I saw the video. You saw a video on it? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. My, my Facebook and Instagram feed has been nothing but 320 jokes for the last, I don't know, four <laughs> days now. Yeah. Personally, I think SIG's a great product. but Oh, absolutely. You know, a lot of pistols can do that, and it's all based on how you handle them. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, again, if you watch that video, I mean, it seems to be pretty prevalent. And most guns are not supposed I mean, all guns aren't supposed to do that when they've got the, that's kind of a built-in safety that they've got. You do Glocks. I don't know anybody that's done a Glock that, you know, that they discharge like that. Um, but our point is, I mean, they just it just harkens back to my point of the show that we did on the MHS, uh, yeah. is that, did our military get the best handgun? You know, right off the right off the bat, and I, apparently it doesn't look that way. Now they're saying that the gun that they submitted to the army is not having these issues. It had some sort of different internal part, which Sig has stepped up to the plate voluntarily, and they're supposedly upgrading the P320s that are out there with this. Is it a new trigger? Is that what it was? 
It was either a, a new trigger or a trigger bar or something like that. I, I caught an article, a headline earlier today, but I, I don't know specifically what the part was. Right. So, you know, if even if it the roles were reversed and they picked the Glock over the SIG and went to this next phase two, I would still have this same argument. They didn't put the, you know, side-by-side -side comparison before they make their final decision. So they just picked one, went with it. And it sounds to me like they're just going to make adjustments on the run with this. Um, but we'll see. You know, again, like Steve said, I like SIG. I got no problem with SIG. I own several SIGs. So do I. But I own one. one. You own one? I've got one. Yeah, I've got one. <laughs> Good. Good. So uh, I was I was accused of being biased uh, in, in our, you know, the show that we did uh, in the MHS contest. And... Uh, like I said, if the roles were reversed, I would be I would be saying the same thing about Sig Sig. Should I had an opportunity, you know, if Glock was the one that apparently price prevailed over, you know, performance of the gun, quality of the gun, I don't know. So they'll get it worked out. So that's my jack wagon. Um, I'm gonna throw the uh, the army on, jumping the gun again. Not throwing Sig on. Sig, you know, reputable company. They stepped up to the plate. Looks like they're gonna make the necessary corrections on the, the ones that are defective. So, and that's cool. I like that. I like to see that. You guys got any feedback on that? Not on that particular issue, not with the pistol. I'm not as familiar with it as y'all are. Yeah. Well, I'm not very familiar with the P320. <laughs> I like SIG because, uh, you know, right in the beginning when we released our product, <laughs> we were approached by uh, some of their top people, and uh, they were interested in what we were doing. And they ended up sending us a rifle, the MCX, and we were developing product for them. Mm -hmm. We're just basically kind of holding back on that project right now. But uh, I got you. Six great company, make great product. Yeah. Well, that and I guess the whole thing that brought this on was there was a Connecticut police officer that uh, I guess he dropped it and it shot. It went off and shot his leg. And he's had to have several surgeries. He's got a multi-million dollar lawsuit against SIG right now. So I think that's probably what brought all this on uh, to begin with. Which is interesting because it wasn't until after I started seeing a whole lot about, you know, there's safety issues with the, the P320, you know, as far as it being dropped, that I saw anything regarding that lawsuit. Even though, if I remember, it was filed back in January, I want to say. So... It, that seemed, at least when I when I saw it, that seemed to come out after there was already a whole lot of hubbub about this, yeah. uh, which I thought was kind of interesting. You know, you'd think it would be the opposite way, uh, and and maybe you know somebody caught it and did a drop test video and then started this whole train before that came out. May have, um, but the video that I watched, the guys that were doing the drop test, um, said that they. I guess before they released all the information and their testing, they did contact SIG and talked with SIG before they released the video. And, uh, I mean, the it probably took them some time to make those videos, so they may have been working on it, you know, s since the, you know, they heard about this lawsuit in January. Because if you're going to do a, you know, a test right, it, you know, it's not going to happen overnight or in a week. So it probably took them a, you know, a month or two months to get their video and their data and everything. Right. But then I'm assuming that they're responsible um, gun reviewers too. So I don't, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know the people that uh, the video that I was watching wasn't familiar with them. So do you guys have any jack wagons? You got anybody you want the gunny to haul off this week? Uh, there was an article I saw earlier today. 
um, that I, I think is is worthy here. Uh, it has to do with a bunch of people um, that are uh, asking for the <laughs> uh, mandating that pistols sold by FFLs contain a uh, stamp uh, to code on ammunition. So on the firing pin, micro stamping, as we all are, are familiar with and how it, it doesn't work at all. Yeah. So we continue to see efforts for the push of legislation that has been shown to be uh, it doesn't do anything. So why are we continuing down this road? Well, why why do you waste everybody's time proposing stuff that has no effect? And what's whatsoever? their what's their logic in in pushing this? Does it say? Uh, there's a quote here by a representative from Maryland uh, that says microstamping offers law enforcement the chance to tr- track bullet casings to the source of the crime and is one more step we can take to ensure the safety of the american people so correct me if i'm i don't know crazy but wouldn't a file to the end of that take care of that problem or filling it in with i don't know jb well or any number of other things that anybody could figure out within two minutes of playing with it (laughs) yeah you would think so and and how how effective is it in tracing me have they done any studies on that how do, they, they, how do they know it's more effective? I'm trying to... It's my question. They, I don't think there's any proof of it. And I think uh, there's definitely litigation out in California about it. Uh, and I think there's still it's still going on out there. I, I don't recall. Um, but I, I don't think there's any evidence that's shown that it has uh, been effective in, in being able to be utilized what they're claiming it is. Yeah. And, so that's and what whole, I would be interested in seeing. I mean, if they've got some facts that they can you know, put with their statements, which, you know, most of these, you know, liberal gun grabbers wanting to stack on laws on top of laws don't usually have anyway. They're, you know, they just use their feel good, what makes sense to them, uh, kind of fucked up logic, you know? <laughs> right. Well, the, the cost, the cost to implement it, you know, that's part of the other problem. If you're going to put it in the law, the cost burden you're putting on manufacturers, uh, is extremely high. And then on top of that, you're premising the entire thing working on that the individual who is in possession of the gun that's used at a crime was the person who bought it. Because otherwise, I don't know how you would possibly link it to that individual short of arresting them with it and finding it was used in a a crime somewhere. But that doesn't necessarily indicate they had possession of it at that time. Right. So where where is it they're proposing to put the micro stamps? I I don't know. I presume I presume it's the firing pin because it's talking about micro stamping fired casings. So I would I presume the only the only place you could really do it would be the firing pin on you know hit it onto the primer. Yeah, yeah. That doesn't. I mean, that still doesn't make any sense to me. They they do the ballistics test and it they match it to the gun. What's the firing pin going to do? I mean, that's right. We spent how much on that? We spent how much on that ATF or those couple of ATF vans that are able to do ballistics matches? Yeah, all right. On the spot. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. So just another bit of useless, you know, some freaking politician wanting to try to you know, look like he's doing something. Yeah. That that's all. That's why they come up with this crap. They just it's what's the word I'm looking for? When you do something just, you know, for looks. Pandering. Yeah, they're just pandering. You know, trying to make their constituents believe that they're actually trying to do something and get reelected. What's the guy's name that's proposing this? 
there's 10 Democrats that back it. The, the one quoted in the article I was looking at, um, that I'm currently looking at is Anthony Brown, Democrat, Maryland. Tony Brown. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Y'all send him a message. Tell him he needs to spend his time yeah. more wisely. <laughs> I don't Very think good. he'll get it. No, I don't think it'll pass either. All right, Adam, that was a good jack wagon, man. Thank you. I try. Very good. All right, Gunny, haul that train out of here, and we're going to talk with Steve now. And we want to learn about that Habu, Steve. So first off, tell us about yourself and your company, Falcon 37. Okay, myself, just prior service Marine, infantry, SRI, and uh, embassy duty. Uh, former Oakland, California police officer. Oh, and, man. Uh, that was interesting. I'll bet. <laughs> I bet you got some stories for us. Yeah, yeah. But uh, after that, you know, I, I just decided, you know, I wanted to get back into the military. But once you get out of the Marine Corps, they don't take you back. Right. So uh, <laughs> uh, and the, there was this Army recruiter right outside and said, uh, you ever heard of the Green Berets? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so uh, never thought I'd do it, but I went and joined the Army, too. Now, Awesome. Anyway, I made four parachute jumps on broken hips before they realized it oh, after, you know, 17 years of service and uh, disabled veteran now. But uh, Thank you for your service. The, the whole thing with the Habu just kind of fell into our lap. I was just looking for a simple solution, a cheek riser for the AR mm-hmm. and uh, bouncing things around and that dang charging handle just kept getting in the way yeah and you know with optics everybody's using them now not like when we were in it's all iron sights and all that yeah and uh i mean heck i didn't even start using optics until my son who's also a marine sergeant uh showed me the acog and then i was hooked (laughs) (laughs) and uh anyway we um started bouncing that around and and eric actually uh, I, I brought the idea up to him and and it was one of those click moments where he said you know you got the charging handle you got a cheek riser just combine the two and we knew we had something there yeah so just sitting around brainstorming one day and uh you, ca- yep. you guys came up with the habu charging handle system now is that an acronym for something h-a-b-u <laughs> It wasn't supposed to be, but uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> we recently had a customer come up to us at a gun show and say, Habu, man, hook a brother up. <laughs> and I uh, love it. I mean, uh, that cracked us up, but no, Habu is actually a uh, pit viper native to Okinawa, Japan, okay. where uh, 3rd Marine Division is, where I was for a year. And uh, it's also the nickname for the SR 71 spy plane. So, oh, I did not know that. Yeah. It, well, to 3rd Marine, or 3rd, let me put it this way, back up. Rewind. <laughs> yeah. Um, Air Force, you know, mm-hmm. being that they were flying missions out of Kadena for a while when they were flying, um, they nicknamed it the Habu. It's, okay. They wore a Habu patch, and only the SR-71 pilots could wear the Habu patch. So... Uh, the reason why it's called Habu isn't necessarily because of the snake, and because I hate snakes. Oh, I, I do too, do. man. I'm deathly yeah. afraid of snakes. But uh, okay, Indiana Jones. There's a big snake in the plane, Jock. 
Oh, that's just my pet snake, Reggie. I hate snakes, Shock. I hate them. Come on, show a little backbone, will you? <laughs> <laughs> but it was one of those things where for about two months, I had it called something else. And I realized in what I had it called in uh, was also in the gun industry. And I couldn't use that name to trademark it. So mm-hmm. after about two months of bouncing things around and coming up with some just god awful names and acronyms and stuff it's it's a hard process ended up just uh settling on habu and realized i could trademark that so i did very cool so the habu is a snake i did not realize that and i I pulled it up here on wikipedia the habu you know that's our 71 spy plane kind of reminded me of some of the lines our product has yeah the cheek right portion that's manufactured by safari land okay so so describe your product for our listeners here, what it is, the purpose of it. I mean, uh, like you said, you started off, you wanted a, a cheek riser. You're looking for a cheek riser. The damned old charger <laughs> yeah. handle got in the way, so you're like, you know what? Boom, let's just combine the two. Combine them, and, and then we the uh, we originally started playing around with latches and how we were going to do that and squeezable surfaces and all. But um, it ended up, because we were using engineers that are extremely qualified but not gun engineers. So the, and we were using for prototyping purposes, a cheaper aluminum mm-hmm. and it, it wore away. I mean, it, it ended up not functioning, meaning I didn't have to actuate a lever anymore by squeezing the polymer portion of the product. Mm-hmm. So I just decided to cut off the lever and lock it in with a stronger spring. Okay. So we fixed that. You don't have to manipulate the uh, the product by manipulating minor motor skill type things like that damn latch. Yeah. Excuse my language. No, no, this now, is this is a language free show. You use whatever you want to. <laughs> okay, it it ended up expanding to different groups of people that could use it to the point where it is when we released it last year to where it basically works for every. Uh, AR shooter in the market. Mm-hmm. And all it is is simply grabbing it and racking it like your pistol slide. You can pretty much still keep it right on your uh, shoulder. Mm-hmm. You don't have to remove your your hand off the trigger control. And uh, it, it, it just evolved to something that was pretty incredible. Yeah. So the way, so this whole system, so it is, it replaces your existing charging handle. Yes. And then it rests on your buttstock. Is that right? Yeah, or, it doesn't really rest on it. Yeah. Like the old charging handle, it just glides over the top. Just glides over the top. And then, then does yeah. it serve as a cheek rise as well at that point? It serves as a cheek riser while it's in battery. Okay. Yes. Is it adjustable? Can you adjust the length on it? You can adjust it to about two and a half inches to the rear, depending on your optics or eye relief. Yes. Okay. Another thing, um, we wanted to make this so it was guaranteed for life, and it, it's tough as nails. But we originally designed it to have a polymer overmold, rubberized type overmold for comfort and grip. And we realized, and uh, Bill Rogers at Safari Land um, told me that a lot of the top level people in law enforcement or some of the entry teams 
they don't like having that kind of rubberized stuff on it because it deteriorates. Mm-hmm. We're not going to replace the product after, you know, a year or two. Uh, but what they like doing, and, and Rogers Holster Ops actually has little uh, foam pads that you can attach to the top of their stock. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're planning on doing something like that for the Habu, too. Okay. Uh, but right now you got a minimalist product. People think it looks slippery. Um, there's a right or a, a video that Steve Record did dispelling some of the myths that we get from the Internet Commandos. Yeah. Um, <laughs> never no, no shortage of them. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they've never even tried it, but they're going to rip it to shreds just because they can hide behind their keyboard. Right. And uh, they think they know how it works. But uh, in this video, Steve Reichert did, and I can go ahead and forward that to you. Okay. Uh, he dispelled all the myths. He even jumped up on the range table. Is it on your tip. website? Uh, it's kind of buried in there. Yeah, it is there, though. Okay. Because I was like, Habu in action. I figured it's probably one of these videos here. So if our listeners want to go, our subscribers want to go, they go to your website, which is uh, falcon37.com. Uh, That's and- not on the website. Um, it's on our Facebook page. Mm-hmm. But um, if you basically just type in Steve Reichert and dispelling Habu myths. Is it R Y K E R? R E I C H E R T. And I'm going to do Habu. Steve's on our advisory board and uh, really did a lot to help us get involved in the, the industry and introduced us to, to Bill Rogers. Um, of course, I'd like to thank Bill Rogers <laughs> just for believing in us and the product right in the beginning. Steve's also running for NRA board of directors. We're trying to get signed up for uh, not trying to take votes away from you, Adam. But as you know, you can vote for what, about 35 people? You can vote for up to 25, but obviously it's it's not advisable to vote for that many. Uh, (laughs) We can talk about that later, though. Just the, the whole We'll talk about the process, yeah, here yeah. in just a little bit. Yeah, but so if you guys do a search on Steve Reichert, R-E-I-C-H-E-R-T, uh, Habu, then his video will come up uh, on YouTube. It's just Falcon 37, H-A-B-U, and his video's there. So go ahead, Steve. I just want to make sure our, our subscribers can uh, watch that video as they're listening along here. Good deal. Um, that's about all I got right now. Um, that's about all you got? Okay, well. Um, what else you want to so you're, you're talking about uh, the appearance of it, um, it, it, and what I'm seeing on it, it, the top part maybe where people get the maybe misconception that it's slippery, but then on the sides you've got very aggressive uh, s- slots, serrations, serrations uh, yeah. down the side. Are there plans on just making that whole thing uh, just a aggressive serration, you know, serrate the whole thing? No, we thought about that too, but it, it, if you – Get this in your hand on your rifle and you try it. it mm. It's really as simple as a slapping motion in release. Yeah. I mean, it's lightning fast. What uh, what releases it? Spring loaded latch right here. Is there, is there something that you have to push? Is that the thing you nope. push? Okay. All you have to do is just either grab on or what I do is just slap the top. And yeah. whether it's wet, bloody, or you got alien jizz on it it's not slippery <laughs> yeah and steve points that out in the video and proves it what about but, uh accidentally um racking it is there any well because you don't have that 
T-handle. The, the, the T-handles just keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Yeah, the extended lashes. And yeah. He decided that that was just the wrong direction. We just wanted to do it in the right direction. And, uh, you know, Bill, my mentor, he, he said flat out that uh, this is probably the way it should have been designed in the first place. Yeah. Right. Well, I mean, that is. So it, it, oh, go ahead, Adam. I was going to say, it looks to me, I guess I'm just looking at it on on the website here. So I, I guess the question you were kind of asking, Marty, was how does it, I guess, how does it stay latched to the uh, upper receiver instead of like on a regular charging handle where you, you pull yeah. the, yeah, I mean, it, it, so it's it's just spring loaded, right? It's, it's held on by spring it, tension, it's a spring more or less. Latch, but we modified the latch to where you don't have to actually actuate it or unlock right. it. Right. This is is actually three pounds per square inch more locking force than the original charging handle. Okay. So nice. Cool. And that will fit uh, on any AR. It'll fit on any AR that is an AR. It won't fit on like the Sig MCX and any proprietary ones, but any AR. And we also found that it, it doesn't fit real well on two stocks. Uh, the Daniel Defense Stock, the rubberized siding, uh-huh. it does work, and we do have customers that use it, but because it, it tends to rub against that rubberized surface on the stock, we don't like to claim that it works on that stock, okay. because when you need to clear jam or malfunction, and sure. your life depends on it, like a patrol officer out in Oakland, right. you want it to work fast. Yeah. Uh, the other stock, it doesn't really work on well is the the cheap stocks that you buy that are just i don't even know where they're yeah what you call them but they have that little ring in the front uh-huh if you know what i mean and all you really have to do with those kind of stocks is just kind of sand down that ring yeah right above the charging handle i mean it's not much but it's enough to where it kind of hangs on it right so everything else, have so you it tested works. it with uh ace butt stocks yes okay because they've got yeah, we, that, you know, that cushiony uh, little foam like stuff foams, you know, yeah. on the cheek cheek rest. Yeah. And one other thing I want to mention is the uh, Hogue stocks. Yeah, they've got uh, some rubberized ones too, don't they? It works on the first generation of Hogue stocks, but we found the second generation, we've had some problems. Gotcha. Um, we've tested it on just about every stock that we at least know about. Mm-hmm. Uh and then I would assume AR pistols, that's no problem at all with those because you got nothing, you know, no stock Great there. pistols. And then you've got the something in Yep. Works with the SIG brace. We tested it with that. Uh, pretty much everything. Okay. Does it does it work on AR-10s as well? Because it, it looks oh. like at least the website specifies just 556-223. Okay, I'll give you guys the scoop. All right. Here you go, Gladheads. We get the, the scoop. scoop on Talking Lead. <laughs> Yesterday, I just submitted a purchase order to Nordic Components, yeah. and uh, they are going to be... Yeah, one of our pro shooters, uh, Todd Van Langen, he's... Uh, yeah, I know Todd. With them ...and introduced me to them, and they're going to be machining the uh, the metal portion and latch of the charging handle, and nice. Safari Land is going to continue with the cheek riser portion. And that should be ready in a month. We're going to be taking pre-orders for that on our website starting early next week. I've probably got 10 Nordic component rifles uh, varying calibers. Yeah, I love them. Uh, but are they planning on putting the, that on any of their rifles? 
we're thinking about some of that, but that's in the, the near future. What I am working with them on is another product that will bridge the gap between, say, this and that. Mm-hmm. And that's all I'm going to say. Okay. <laughs> it, it's going to be pretty innovative, and we hope to release it by SHOT Show. And what about what about Nate at Frontier? You guys in talking to them about doing anything with them with that? Nate's got some of our products down there. Um, in fact, I just talked to him yesterday. Nate and that whole company is just awesome. Yeah. yeah good guys down yeah. there. You know, the Warlock's a, a great product. And, you know, coming from a law enforcement perspective, um, it's – it's completely innovative because the last thing a, a motorcycle cop needs is to have to build his rifle to get into a firefight, like mm. what happened down in LA number, you know, a decade ago or whatever. Yeah. And um, the Warlock is awesome. Like you said yeah. earlier, it, quick, quick assemble, just purpose. pop it in, lock it, and you're ready to go. And like you said, it'd be perfect for a, a police um, officer, oh, a, yeah. a police perfect. motorcycle officer. Yeah needs a little firepower um, because, you know, cops are way under gun now, but it's perfect for um, ticking off the lips. Yeah. Yeah. You know, just, just every time you get the Democrats trying to incrementalize all these gun laws that takes away our second amendment rights part by part, the gun industry comes up with a way to just totally circumvent it in (laughs) like in California, that stock. It cracks me up because the gun industry is nothing but a bunch of innovators, just like the Interis Alliance and Frontier Tactical. And you guys, too. I mean, this is a very innovative product, which, you know, is what we we love on this show. I love innovation. I love companies that think outside the box and bring something different, you know, not just reinventing the same old, same old. This is something I've never seen before, and I'm just, my mind is really churning here on, on uh, how it operates and i'm really looking forward to to trying it out but uh i mean it's low profile you know you don't have that charging handle sticking out to where it could get on your kit you know stick on your kit hang up on your kit uh, but it gets on your op just a little faster yeah and uh we actually had a former cag or delta force guy who's, who's very well known in the industry i just can't say his name because he has commitments to other companies he called it brilliant in its simplicity and and it really is um when you overthink products they tend to i mean keep it simple stupid is a good rule to live by oh yeah the old kiss principle yeah yep yeah it's certainly something that uh like you said isn't more the the same just being you know slight slightly different flavor added to it it's it's uh, doing it, it's doing something that I haven't seen before. Right. Yeah. Um, the, the they great went from... thing about this is is it ended up using the exact same training, you know, that you already know. Like for instance, law enforcement, the way they rack their pistol slides. Mm-hmm. This is the exact same movement racking your pistol slide. You don't have to change what you're doing. And it's the same. It's uh, the same muscle memory too. Your your hand is still coming up to that same area. It's just, That's right. You know, he's just coming over a little bit further, and you know, so. That's right. But you know, at least at least you guys didn't go and add like a third uh, latch or lever to the charging handle. You know, they went from one to two. <laughs> <laughs> I'll keep waiting yeah. for somebody to put one up on top of it now. You know. 
the way it was originally designed. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm telling you, the past three years has been just a whirlwind. I mean, myself and investors have spent over $200,000 of our own money bringing this to market. We're service-disabled, veteran-owned small business. Um, my my son with 1-6 Marines brought a bunch of these on their last deployment, and uh, they used them and, and liked them. Yeah, uh, A lot of his buddies are picking it up now. One thing I want to point out, though, it's starting to get bigger now. Um, mm-hmm. We were approached by Aberdeen Proving Grounds about uh, getting a couple of these for testing. We went ahead and obliged. And, it and for our up, listeners, tell them uh, who Aberdeen Proving Grounds are. Aberdeen Proving Grounds tests, in, in this case, small arms and their components uh, for, you know, to evaluate whether they want to purchase new weapon systems or components for those systems mm-hmm. to keep the force. This um, is a military for the military? It's an Army there facility. Yes. Yep, there you go. So. We actually have three different Army entities looking at this right now, but the key is gas mitigation um, while using suppressors. Mm-hmm. Now, as you all know, the military and federal law enforcement may be going to suppressors very soon. Um, we beat out the charging handle, all you know, the other charging handles, including ones that claim they mitigate gas already. Beat them about by twofold. Hmm. Congratulations! So, nice. Thank you. And, and it's just the way. So no the problem with is. suppressor use then. That's what you're saying? Oh yeah, it, it mitigates gases away from the shooter's face while using suppressors. Right. Um, it's it's still in testing. Those were the preliminary results, but uh, it's looking good so far. Good deal. That's cool. So where can our listeners go and and pick up a habu? Where can they get one? They can go to our website, okay. falcon37.com. They can go to Brownell's uh, Bravo Company. Both of those were our first customers. And, uh, I mean, being that Bravo Company makes the charging handles on their own, the uh, the BCM Warfighter, I guess, uh-huh. um, they still put us up on their website. Funny thing is, though, and Paul <laughs> Buffoni is probably going to kill me for saying this, but they tend to hide us back <laughs> behind their – we're not on the charging handle page. You actually have to type in Habu to get it. Uh, but we appreciate them picking us up. And then, of course, uh, holster ops. Okay. Um, and what's, holster. Uh, what's our price range on these, Steve? Um, anywhere from uh, 90 to 75 okay. depending on – perks and all that and we do offer a law enforcement and first responder discount for 15 percent on our website okay so they can pick that up very cool yeah all right so they just uh, they can go to your way what's your website we'll send them to your website for right now uh falcon37.com falcon37.com and uh is there are there variations of this or is there just one iteration right now Right now, this is the Mod 1, the 5.56, five, mm-hmm. and like I said, we're going to start taking pre-orders next week for the 7.62 and adding at least one more product prior to shot this year. Ah, okay. Is that something you can tell us now what that's going to be? Maybe give us a hint? I, I kind of alluded to it a little earlier, but no, I can't. <laughs> okay. Well, make sure you uh, you come back when we can talk about it, and uh, we'll drop the news. Yeah. 
if you want to try it out and, and have access to the uh, try and buy event from Interis Alliance, uh, it goes on just prior to the SHOT Show range days. Yep. Uh, we'll be, be out there, there with Interis companies. Good. You'll be able to actually try one out. Very good. I'll be set up doing the show, so hopefully I'll get I'll get some hands on it. <laughs> Talking <laughs> <Yeah>. a lot. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's the problem with me going to these shows is I never get to see anything Is because I'm always You're... doing interviews. You were yeah, swapped at NRA. Yeah, NRA was crazy. I especially want to, you know, plug Frontier Tactical again and, and ride on you know, Brady. They've been great. And, and we do a lot of uh, discussion about, you know, just they're, they're mentors. We, we help yeah. each other out. But we also like to use each other's innovative products. Right. And that's what I love about the, the Alliance, the Interest Alliance, is that, you know, the companies aren't, competing against one another it's quite the opposite it's like you were saying you guys communicate with Mutual one another support. and you talk about how you can you know maybe collaborate together or you know make each other's products better you know and I, that's what i love about it it's it's an awesome yep. organization to be a part of and it is. Uh, you guys uh, if you've got a company out there you're a patriot company you're a veteran-owned company you uh, support uh veteran law enforcement emts fire departments <laughs> Go check out Antirus Alliance, see if it's a fit for you guys. Get in touch with Casey Betzel there. Uh, and then if you're just a, an individual like myself, uh, I mean, Talking Lead as a company is a member, but then I joined also, became a lifetime member just personally myself. And uh, they're only doing a 1,000 of those. Um, so if you want to be be a lifetime member, and it's one of like the cheapest lifetime memberships I've ever seen. I think it's only like 200 250 bucks, mm-hmm. something like that. And then once they sell all 1,000, they're going to do a giveaway that's, I don't know how many thousands of dollars worth of products from companies within the Alliance. So I'm sure there's going to be a Habu in there and guns and scopes and all kinds of cool stuff. So uh, yeah, get your lifetime membership while you can. Antirus Alliance, is it .org or .com? I can't remember. Let me look uh, dot .com. AntirusAlliance.com? Yep. Okay. Yeah. Outstanding organization. Very good. All right, so Adam has been waiting patiently in the wings here. Thanks, Adam. Oh, no, I was listening. I, I, I tend to be more of the type that listens versus participates in discussions because I like to uh, absorb it all. So Adam, um, Adam's no stranger to, to podcasting and shows. He's got his own show that he does as, as well. Uh, we talked a little bit about it at NRA, but for our listeners who haven't um, checked out that episode yet, Adam, just give us a quick background of of adam kraut esquire sure okay <laughs> well yeah esquire i guess <laughs> i guess unfortunately that's now been the part that most people know about me right uh, so i i guess real brief history uh, i grew up in a house that didn't have guns uh it wasn't until boy scouts down at uh, camp horseshoe that i was ever introduced to an actual firearm it was a bolt action marlin 22 nice uh that left me with a stupid shit-eating grin on my face that's never <laughs> laughed. Uh, and I, I can honestly credit Boy Scouts with getting me into to firearms. That's so awesome. Turned eight, you don't hear yeah. that very often. No. Um, and given given where I ended up in life, it's uh, a lot of people still find it kind of interesting that I never, I grew up in a house that didn't have guns. Where? What state did you grow up in? What's... I'm in Pennsylvania, outside of the Philadelphia area. Oh, that is uncommon, I would say. Uh, this, the area I'm from is, I, I don't want to say it's more liberal because the county itself 
until uh, the last two elections was always a squarely red county. But as far as space and things like that, um, and you know, my my parents, my my dad's view on guns uh, when I started to get into them was pretty anti-gun. He was from New York, uh, grew up in New Jersey, never had an experience with them. Mm-hmm. My mom uh, came from a Navy family. She's shot guns before, but was never. Uh, you know, raw, raw guns. And I don't think she was uh, strongly opposed to them either. Um, so I turned 18 and I did what all 18 year olds do. I went and bought a shotgun. Uh, <laughs> I stuffed it under my bed and uh, I was told that I had to get rid of it. And I'm going to guess you guys can probably figure out how that one ended because I still own it today. Um, I guess you moved out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, not for some time. But <laughs> I turned 21. I got a uh, license to carry. I bought a handgun. I was uh, chastised for that. And it was a couple of years later that my dad uh, kind of came out of the blue and asked me to take him shooting. And naturally, I obliged. Well, yeah. So I took him, and I remember looking over, and that same stupid grin that I had on my face at 12 years old was plastered to his face. That's awesome. It was like, it was like a spitting image. And all of a sudden, his attitude changed. And it was, wow, these things aren't nearly as bad as I thought they had. So they how many were. does he own now? Uh, yeah, um, not, not nearly as many as I do, but he's, he's amassed a, a small collection, uh, for, you know, what he's looking to do in life with them. Yeah. Um, he has, he has more than one. Yeah. He went out, he got his, uh, his carry permit. Um, and he, he still, uh, you know, he working through the, as the years passed, you know, he would still hold views that I didn't agree with. Um, and I would, he would say something and I'm like, well, you're getting that from the media or that's your, your bias from prior to being a gun owner showing. And I would explain to him why he was not correct. And we'd circle back and have the conversation again down the road. And over time, his opinion has continued to evolve and change more squarely pro gun. Um, And I think that, yeah. And I I think one of the things we could touch on it later, but I think one of the things that, uh, that I've been saying, at least in relation to the NRA related stuff is as far as getting people to understand the organization and getting people to understand guns that one-on-one experience with somebody that takes someone out to the range shows them how things are shows them how they work how to safely use them Mm -hmm. that does more for gun rights than any amount of marketing any amount of scare tactics any amount of anything else you can put out there that's what gets people to realize that firearms are a tool and when used properly they can be a hell of a lot of fun or have a great amount of utility absolutely Absolutely. And that's so I'm behind that 100 percent. You know, if you've got somebody, a friend, a family member who is anti, you know, gun, it's usually an irrational fear that they have because they've never been exposed to them. So right. invite them to go to the range with you next time you go and do it in a non, you know, pushy or threatening way. Just, for, you know, say, come watch me shoot. You know, as they're watching, they're going to want to take part, you know, so you. Once you get them there, that's, you know, that's 80% of the battle. Well, and, and on that same note, uh, real quick before we get back into myself, uh, it's the inaugural um, National Shooting Sports Month that uh, NSSF has declared, the National Shooting Sports Foundation has declared that August is uh, National Shooting Sports Month. So it's an excellent opportunity for you to uh, do that public service and take somebody who hasn't been to the range to the range. There you um, go. And, you know, show them a good time. Don't don't make it about pushing views on guns. Just show them how they work. Let them shoot it. Let them have fun. And you can circle back to that discussion later on. 
And don't start them off with a 50 cal. Yeah, don't do that. I will personally come find you. (laughs) (laughs) What do you say, Steve? Uh, Shooters, don't do this, okay? If you want to stay married or not get injured, um, don't use a, a 357 Magnum and put all 38 shells in there and then one 357 Magnum round and let your wife shoot it. Don't do that. <laughs> you'll you'll have the gun thrown at you, you name it. Um Yeah, it's not a good You don't joke around with gun. <laughs> no, not at all. So So um, this is National Shooting Month, is that what you said? The NSSF has, has declared this National Yeah, it's shooting? the uh National Shooting uh Sports Month. Okay. Um and that's that's something I happened to see in the shot business magazine that I got when I was flipping through. And it's something that I went and looked and NSSF has declared it. Um that that's what it is. So okay. uh, I, I just got an email really from cool. them that says I need to renew my membership. So <laughs> <laughs> I need to do that too. So that's uh So that was your your experience with firearms is you the fi- yeah. the Boy Scouts don't do guns anymore, do they? Or do Oh they, they do. In some they areas. Do. I'm yeah, no, we, we still do them down at Camp Horseshoe. I actually uh, was back there. So I, sh- I actually sit on the council's uh, shooting sports committee now. Um, I'm also involved with my old scout troop uh, that, you know, I'm an Eagle Scout. Uh, so I got a lot of scouts and I wanted to give back to the organization. Uh, but I went down there last summer for the uh, alumni uh, night that our, our troop has when they're at camp. And uh, one of the kids is really into guns and he was like yo he, he you gotta come with me to the range so i went with him to the range and we shot 22s cool um uh, and i'm trying to see i got tentative approval uh trying to work out the details but uh see, there is a strong possibility we will be putting silencers on those rifles within the next year or so very cool uh yeah so that's a that's a that's a great accomplishment to be an eagle scout scout too for those who are aware there's how many eagle scouts are there i mean it's a very of all the people yeah. that go through the scouting program, it's a very small percentage that actually make it to the Eagle Scout. I want to, I want to say, I think it's like three percent or something like that. Four uh, percent. Yeah. According to Wikipedia, I had to go look it up, but yeah, it's a, it's a very small number versus the total number of kids that uh, enter into the program. Yeah. I mean, when I, when I went there, and I'm, a, I'm an old fart. You know, I'm my mid forties. When I was going through the Boy Scouts, I, mean, I learned so much. It was so much fun. Uh, just being outdoors, learning, you know, survival, learning nature, you know, learning civil duties. Uh, it was a great experience and one that uh, I'll always cherish and remember. And if I had kids, I would I would put them through scouting program too. Yeah, like I said, you know, I got I got a lot out of it. Uh, it certainly helped make me who I am today in any number of different facets. Uh, so that was that was kind of my youth and how I got into guns. And then, you know, I went to went to college. I got a degree in political science. Where'd you go to college um, at? SUNY Binghamton up in upstate New York, which is uh, hysterical to me because Pennsylvania was only 15 miles south. Uh, and that's when I learned in New York, the world revolves around New York City. So anything <laughs> north of that is upstate, which is the entire state. Right. <laughs> uh, uh, and And that's where I learned how ridiculous New York's gun laws are when I was... Uh, do my first form one. One of my buddies in college was going to buy a pistol, and my paperwork for my form one came back before his pistol permit did from the uh, <laughs> sheriff. Um, 
so yeah, that was a, an interesting experience. And then from there, I took a year off, went to law school because I didn't know what else to do with my life and what better way to procrastinate life than acquiring a lot of debt. Um, <laughs> and when I was in my uh, going into my last year of law school, I was thinking, oh man, I'm going to have to find a job soon, so I should probably get an internship. And being active on gun forms, uh, which is a blessing and a curse, Sometimes it's more of a curse than a blessing, but that's besides the point. Uh, local Pen- <laughs> the local Pennsylvania forum, I noticed that there was an attorney who posted very frequently on there. Um, and I looked him up and saw where he was in the state, and it was only about an hour for me. So I sent him an email saying, hey, uh, I need an internship. I'm in law school. I need an internship. Uh, would you guys be willing to give me one? And after some back and forth, they eventually came back and said, sure. Um, so I went and I had an internship where I could come and go as I pleased. Uh, and it turns it out that I fit in very well and uh, was able to walk into a, a job at the end of, uh, uh, you know, after I passed the bar exam. Oh, congratulations. So, How long have you been with that firm? Uh, November will be three years now. Okay. So the, the entire time I've been practicing law and had a, I've had a very, I've had a great mentor uh, who hasn't been afraid to show me the ropes and and kind of here, go go forth and um, he's he's been fantastic about you know I'll send him something and he'll send me back changes and explain why uh, or we can have discussions about it so it's it's been a very good learning experience for me as opposed to uh, depending upon you know firms when you start out sometimes you're just a research assistant for a number of years before you get to do anything and. For me, it was kind of like, here you go, get thrown to the wolves. Are you a, um, uh, a specialty law firm? So the, the law firm itself is a general practice firm, uh, but specifically all I do and all Josh does is firearms-related stuff. Um, I don't do anything criminal-related, so anything civil, uh, both in Pennsylvania, so anything involving Pennsylvania law, or federally and federal law we can practice across the United States. So, okay. um Give us an example yeah. of, uh, of a case that you've worked recently. Uh, I'm currently working on two FFL revocations right now. Uh, at the federal level, we do a lot of industry-related representation. Um, we're also got four, I think I have four right now, four Second Amendment as applied challenges pending. Um, that being somebody is a what federal law considers a prohibited person, so they can't lawfully possess firearms or ammunition. And uh, we're saying, based on case law that's uh-huh. established in the in the Third Circuit where we're from, uh, just essentially that you know we're saying that uh, as applied to these people, this prohibition on them violates their Second Amendment rights. So we're not saying the statute as a whole does; just this specific provision, as applied to that individual, violates that individual's Second Amendment rights. Okay. So we've got we've got four of those pending, uh, and then at the state level, uh, everything from gun trust to uh, issues with being denied firearms purchases, advising people as to whether or not they can purchase one uh, or not. Uh, what we're finding here in Pennsylvania, it, because we're a point of contact state for NICS and not um, not a, using NICS directly, uh, what the state police are doing is if somebody is de- denied a, uh, a back, on a background check, they are prosecuting them for making false statements on the application. So the smarter people who are unsure of their status in order to avoid <laughs> avoid down the line, uh, ask somebody who would be able to tell them whether or not they are. Right, right. So are you specifically, are you state specific on your law practices or, or do you take cases all around the, so the United state States? So state law issues, 
state law issues would be specific to Pennsylvania. If it involves federal law, uh, you can practice this across the United States. It just requires getting admitted to the court that it's going to be heard in. Okay. So currently, to give you an example, uh, well, I'm currently, for federal law, I can practice in the western, middle, and eastern district courts of Pennsylvania, and I was just recently admitted to the Sixth Circuit Court of Appeals, which covers uh, Kentucky and Ohio, and there's, I think, two or three other states that that one covers. Um, we were handling a, a case in Kentucky where we were admitted to the district court for just that matter. So I'm not admitted to practice there generally. Um, and that's going up to the Sixth Circuit Court of Appeals now. So I am admitted to the Sixth Circuit to practice there. Very cool. So uh, if our listeners you know, have a legal question that they need to, to get in touch with you about, or uh, maybe they've got a case, how can they get in touch with your law firm? Of course, you'll so, let them know if they've got uh, a case the easiest or not. website to... Yeah. Yeah. yeah the... The uh, easiest uh, way to do that would be princelaw.com. Um, the other website would be firearmsindustryconsultinggroup.com. Uh, the phone number is going to be the same, um, and you can just contact that way. Very good. So uh, we want to find out a little bit more about what you've got coming up. Obviously, you're making another run for the NRA Board of Directors, and we want to talk about yep. that and how our leadheads can get behind you and support you. But now... It's time for the Talking Lead Facts to Fight the Myths. And Adam is going to present us with this week's Talking Lead Fact to Fight the Myth. Adam? Sure. Have at So uh, one of the things that uh, perpetually comes up in, in gun shops, particularly, as well as uh, Internet, although the Internet's gotten a lot better about it, so mainly gun shops. And I work in a gun shop. I still work in a gun shop. Um, I'm only there one day a week now, but I used to be there full time when I was in law school. So I see what happens in gun shops. But how many jobs biggest... do you have, son? Goodness. Uh, <laughs> well, it depends. If you if you include the legal brief, I have technically three. Um... <laughs> that, I was including that. Yeah, the legal brief. Yeah, then, you've got then... your attorney job. You've got the mm -hmm. gun shop, and then you're going to be running for the uh, the NRA yeah, board of directors. Could be four. Yeah. Um, so one of the things that constantly comes up where you hear people say is, you know, you can't have a gun if you're a felon. Well, makes sense. Yeah. Uh, and most people think that being a felon uh, is the only thing that prevents you from having a gun other than, you know, being uh, mentally committed mm -hmm. or, uh, you know, the, the uh, getting on the no fly zone or no yeah, fly list. Yeah, the too. no fly list. Yeah. Um, and, and some of the other things that, you know, uh, unlawful user of controlled substance, some of the other things that are, are pretty commonplace. Domestic that, like, okay. abuse uh, is one. Right. Yeah, yeah the, the misdemeanor crime of domestic abuse. Uh, interestingly enough, though, felony domestic abuse crime isn't technically prohibiting for the uh, uh, exemption related to uh, military and law enforcement that they get for in the capacity of their official role. Oh. Uh, Interesting. Yeah. So there's your there's your free legal advice for the day. Uh, but, but but one of the bigger myths that uh, people going back to the felony is or a misconception or or just isn't well known is that it's not just felonies that are federally prohibiting. Um, one of the questions at the Nick's retailer event that I was at, uh, which they asked for a prize and, and I won, was out of the list of enumerated stuff that's on the 4473. Uh, what one is the most common prohibiting reason when somebody gets denied? And I said it's 922G1. Well, 922G1 uh, says that if you are, 
Let me just pull it up real quick so I can read okay. it to you because it would make. I could hear you typing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. So now, Steve, uh, while you're doing that, Steve, if you have questions, just chime in. You got you something you want to add? Just chime in. I know better than to go up against a lawyer or even question his. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm friendly. <laughs> See, he says lawyer. You said attorney. I make the well, joke. <laughs> I make the joke that nobody attorney. likes lawyers. <laughs> well, yeah, okay. I, I I hope I didn't. Oh know. no 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 no! Oh, believe me, I'm the first person to make fun of lawyers. I mean, my general counsel for this company, he's an incredible man. You know, attorney. Attorney. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Attorney's just a title lawyers gave themselves to seem less scummy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, a, a lot of respect. A, a lot of my friends are attorneys. Good. They're actually good people. They just have a funny uh, some, not you, Adam, but some <laughs> just believe in it a little too much. <laughs> uh, believe me, I I I know unfortunately all about it. But at least we're not living in. You know, the former Soviet Socialist Republic. So that's true. Yes. Thanks to you, <laughs> we do have representation. Roger that. All right. Do you find so, it? Yep. All right. Yeah. So uh, the question again with the next retailer event was asked was which one of, out of the enumerated offenses on the 4473 is the most common occurrence for somebody being denied? And I said it's 922G1. 922G1 says it shall be unlawful for any person who has been convicted in any court of a crime punishable by imprisonment for a term exceeding one year. So everybody goes, felony. <coughs> well, yes, felony. Um, but what people didn't say don't felony, real- though. It just says yeah, it didn't. It didn't say felony. You're, it you're right. Specify felony. Yeah, you're right. Um, and if you the if you look in the definitions, which most lawyers don't do this, so here's a pro tip for those of you practicing law, regardless of your field, go look at the definitions. Um, Congress actually def- defined the term crime punishable by imprisonment for a term exceeding one year to not include. So now we have like a double negative here. No. Um, yeah, so if you're convicted of any federal or state offense that pertains to an antitrust violation, unfair trade practice, restraints to trade, or similar offense relating to the regulation of business practices, um, for some reason you're exempt from this. Uh, but the the one that everybody gets caught up on is a state law offense classified by the laws of the state as a misdemeanor and punishable by a term of imprisonment of two years or less, not included in that term on the form. So what does that mean for the person filling out the form? If they had been convicted of a state law misdemeanor that was punishable by more than two years of imprisonment, they are federally prohibited. Let me give you an example. Here in Pennsylvania, DUI. You get a second DUI at the highest rate. It's a misdemeanor of the first degree in Pennsylvania. In Pennsylvania, those are punishable by up to five years imprisonment. Most times, people... Yeah. Most of the time, people don't go to jail. Um... If they do, they probably don't spend more than two years in jail. But that doesn't matter. It's The crime could be punished by more than two years in jail. Yeah. So now you're federally prohibited and you're done. Um, so most people don't realize that. You know, DUI, well, it's not. It's nonviolent. Uh, nobody got Hopefully, hurt. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, we're, we're taking best case scenario DUI, if you can call such a thing, you know, a best case scenario. But... You're, you're talking about uh, if somebody had DUI, it was not nonviolent, no property damage, no injuries. Mm-hmm. Uh, here in Pennsylvania, second one, highest rate, federally prohibiting. 
there's other things out there um, that, you know, other state laws that you probably wouldn't think would be uh, something that would prohibit you from owning guns. But mm-hmm. sure enough, it, it does. So that's that's the uh, I would say facts to fight the uh, the myth there. Um, Very this good. week yeah. that yeah misdemeanors hmm. state law misdemeanors punishable by more than two years imprisonment federally prohibiting offense. Can't get your your permit. Can't own a handgun. Can't can't own a gun. Can't own a or gun. ammunition. Can't I, possess I thought to talk to you, Adam, about that maybe offline. Just for a former yeah. student of mine who appears to not be on any books for former felony time. But uh, we'll talk. That's fine. <laughs> what I what I can what I can tell you, and in, in, this is a common occurrence, unfortunately, what I see, uh, and this may answer your question. Uh, a lot of times, depending upon when the offense happened, uh, the court may not have necessarily reported it to the proper authorities. Mm. Uh, so we had the Nixon Improvement uh, Amendment Act. Uh, NIA, which a lot more records got deposited into the repository. So people who had been buying guns for I don't know, the last 10, 15, 20, 30, 40 years were always getting proceeds, and then all of a sudden they come up denied. Well, you know, I've been buying guns forever. What's the problem? Well, mm. the problem is that you were always prohibited, just nobody had a record of it until recently. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very good. That was, a, that was a good fact to fight to myth, Adam. Thank you for that. You're welcome. Now, did that, finds it yeah, I'm sure they will. I'm sure you're going to get flooded with all kinds of questions from that. So <laughs> be prepared. Uh, That's cool. Steve, I have did, an auto response. <laughs> perfect. Steve, did that spark a uh, anything that you wanted to, to debunk? Any myths out there? that? Uh... Mm-hmm. No, again, I, I'm not okay. going to ever argue with the attorney. No, no, uh, no. Well, it's, not, it's nothing and, to do with that. Adam, <laughs> he's talking about just from some of my experiences. And, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it did bring up a couple points you know as a firearms instructor i did have some times where there were those questionable things and luckily managed to get most of them taken care of Mm -hmm. uh just great information from adam yeah yeah so as a former firearms instructor uh what was your biggest pet peeve from students didn't really have any um i was impressed by most of my students being women mm-hmm. um, and have never even touched a firearm before. Uh, I had <laughs> had one of my students shoot me. Oh, um, damn. <laughs> not, not that would have been back. a good jack wagon candidate, by the way. <laughs> no, no. She, she, she was a good person, and actually uh, her father is a, kind of a famous Special Forces Sergeant Major. And uh, she was trying real hard. And you know how some new shooters, they tend to flinch a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, and every time they pull that trigger, they're jerking that thing. And that bullet goes right down into the base of the target. Well, where we were shooting, the, the bullet came back up to, um, you know, the overhead mm-hmm. and bounced back, hit my arm, hit my stomach, landed right in front of me, nine millimeter. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so it didn't penetrate. Yeah. Didn't penetrate, but left some good bruises and made for some no doubt know, good pictures. But uh, she, poor thing, she wouldn't touch that firearm for 15 minutes. And I finally talked her back into it and training and got her going. And I passed her because she she straightened out her deficiencies. And uh, yeah, it, it was a great time in my life. Very good. All right, guys. So now let's uh, let's move on. I know we're uh, running short on time here. We want to find out about Adam's run for the NRA Board of Directors. 
So, uh, Adam, what, uh, what led you to, to want to be on the board of directors for the NRA? Well, you just don't wake uh, up one morning and say, Hey, I want to run for the board of the NRA. No, no, that, that is certainly true. (laughs) Uh, especially having gone through the process once, if you're, if you're sitting at home thinking that you're insane, uh, welcome, welcome to the party, by the way. Um, so I, I had a number of conversations with an individual who is a current member of the board um, who suggested that he thought I would be a good individual on the board, that he liked my thought process, he liked a lot of what I had to say, uh, and thought I could generally contribute to the welfare of the organization. So we had conversations that went back and forth for probably about two months, I'd say. Um, And after giving it a lot of thought and talking to a couple of other friends, I decided, you know what? I'll give it a shot. Um, I've never run for anything before. My experience with political campaigns generally has been uh, limited, we'll say. Uh, So I decided that, you know what? Okay, if I'm going to run, I'm going to run correctly, and I'm actually going to treat it like a campaign. So from the time I made the announcement that I was running till up until the through the election that was by the mail-in ballot and then again at NRA, I gave it 100%. Um, I think I gave it 100% anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a, a number of people had said to me that we've never seen anybody do what you did, the, the way you approached it. Um, so Were they you know, negative it, about it, or were they just they were like, hey, that's no, a good way to do it? No, well, no, there were a couple of people that were negative about it, but yeah. uh, for the most part, people were impressed or, or very solidly behind me. And one of the, the comments that I got a lot of after the results came out the first time and then again at NRA was that I can't believe you didn't win. Mm-hmm. And I, I thought that was pretty interesting uh, because it was always in my mind when I started this that not winning could very well be a possibility. So mm-hmm. I wasn't upset about it. I was a little disappointed, but I also realized from the get-go that that was always a possible outcome. Um, and I, I gave it a lot of thought. And what I came to realize was that a lot of the people that were saying this are probably very well connected on social media. And I had a large social media presence. But just because you saw who I was doesn't mean that the people who actually vote saw who I was. Mm-hmm. Um, right. I, I ended up about 6,000 votes shy uh, from the, the mail-in ballot. And then at the NRA show, I decided, you know what, uh, one of the things that really stuck with me after people started to tell me this, and, and a number of people started to tell me this, was that they joined the NRA's life members just to vote for me. Um, <laughs> and if you know how much a life membership costs, especially when they're not on sale, that's not a cheap endeavor to, to do, especially just right. to cast a vote for someone. Uh, I was at, when we were at SHOT Show, uh, I was at the KDG booth, and one of the writers for Recoil came to interview me, and we were talking, we were going to do something on Instagram, and we were talking, and I explained to him that, you know, a lot of people said that they had uh, joined as life members just to vote for me. And there was a gentleman standing there who had been standing there kind of patiently, and he kind of interrupted and said, you know, I'm one of those people. Huh, uh, and the, the guy from Recoil looked at me and said, not that I didn't believe you, but now there's someone here standing here that's telling me that. <laughs> um, yeah. So it, it was incredibly humbling, and I, I thought about it. I said, you know what, if, if enough of those people put their stock in me, um, I've got to make a run for it at the, the annual meeting. I can't let it go uh, here and, and just accept defeat like that. So yeah. did what anybody would do. Uh, I got materials printed. I got T-shirts made. I assembled a small army of ragtag volunteers that, uh, when they had time, contributed it. And I went to go 
uh, I guess for lack of a better description, fight the man. Um, not <laughs> the that I view the NRA as the man, in case you're listening, but uh, against the, <laughs> against the organization. Uh, they fly people out every year to hand out literature for their cam- uh, their candidate. Uh, you know, I wasn't there on Thursday. I went shooting sporting clays with a bunch of people. Friday I showed up, uh, and voting was Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Friday I showed up, was handing out literature with friends. Uh, and I think they noticed that I was doing something right because Saturday they went from a handful of people to about 10 to 15. And at any given point on that Saturday, I had at most five people doing something for me. And a lot of times it was a lot less. I was a very short spurt. Um, mm-hmm. and I ended up losing by 60 votes. Wow. Uh, while, while we increased the total number of votes from the year prior by about 800. So it went from at the annual meeting the year prior, 1200 votes total being cast to over 2000 this past year. Wow. Uh, and so you, and you lost by 60. Did you ask for a recount? No, no. Recount, I, I, recount. I, you know, I accepted the results and, and quite honestly, I'm not upset with that. I gave them a run for their money that they could not, uh, could not have seen coming. And I was happy with that. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's that's awesome, man. That's a, a very impressive start, no doubt. And now you're going to continue this. You're going to run again, and yep. you need support. And what yes. can we do to help you? Um, I guess you've got to get signatures or something, right, to get uh, to qualify to run again. Right. So, yeah. So, so talk about the process. You know, the steps that that we're taking right now. Sure. So currently right now, uh, I'm running by petition of the members. There's two ways to be on the ballot for the NRA board of directors. One is petition of the members. The other is to submit your name in front of the nominating committee and have them uh, choose you to go on the ballot. Uh, This year, I've elected again to run by petition of the members. Um, Last year in the general election, they changed the bylaws. Previously, you needed 250 votes or 250 signatures rather to be placed on the ballot. Uh, signatures are from qualified NRA members, which would be uh, a life or better. So life uh, endowment patron and benefactor members mm-hmm. or an annual member of the past five consecutive years can sign the petitions. That's it. Um, so last year was 250 signatures. The new bylaws provide that it's a half a percent of the total number of votes received in the year or ballots cast in the year prior, uh, which will dictate how many signatures a person running by petition of the member needs mm-hmm. um so this year the total is 653 signatures so you kind of cut your own throat <laughs> by getting getting the more votes in there huh that was by the the mail-in one. Oh, uh, i got you i got you yeah so no i i didn't cut my own throat there but so it, more than three it, it tripled yeah yeah and what a lot of people don't realize and um uh, i found out last year and i'm finding out this year uh, even for a national organization that has you know, claims 5 million members, and there's 2.2 million voting members, according to the last stat I saw. Collecting 250 signatures was not exactly a small task. 653 is a lot. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, it, it doesn't sound like a lot, but it's it's a lot. It's, it's a lot of um, trying to get people to print out a piece of paper, put their information on it, and stick it in the mail. <laughs> Uh, or collecting other signatures from other qualified members and then sticking it in the mail. So it can't be done electronically. It has to be on a piece of paper mailed in. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the good news is this year they removed the requirement that it be on legal paper. Uh, it now can be printed out on in hat. Yeah. It can oh, now my God. Just out. another example of the old ways that need to be changed, uh, you know, the backwards thinking here. Uh, this should be electronic. There's That's ridiculous. Yeah. 
Yeah, it should. Um, I, I can tell you if it were electronic, I think it would be a, a lot faster of a process. But um, I think there's well, I think a, more a people reason. would take part also. Well, I, I think there's a reason that it's not. And if you can dissuade, yes. if you can dissuade participation. You have those that either really value the uh, inner workings of the organization participating, or those that are. Um, you know, that I guess influence to take part in it, doing it, and that's about it. Yeah. Um, so it's just almost, it sounds to me like they discourage people to take part in their um, democratic process. Well, I, I think it's no different than politics to some degree. I mean, you know, people which, don't vote, which is but, wrong. <laughs> you know, that's yeah. fucked up. They need to make it, you know, more, e- you know, more accessible, easier for people to do. And the technology is there and it can be verified. You know, it, it could be well. It, it can absolutely be verified because you're putting a member's name, member's number, and, and a signature. Right. So all that's verifiable information. You either exist or you don't. Yeah. So that's currently where I am. I'm still collecting signatures. I've got a, a way to go still. Um, working on on that. And, and where can they go that, get this piece of paper? And uh, yeah, that's a, that would be an important point. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so my website is adamkraut.com. That's Adam, my first name, Kraut, K-R-A-U-T, like sauerkraut.com. You'll see right up on the top, you'll see there's a a banner across the top saying signatures needed. Click here. Uh, There's buttons and there's even a a link to the petition description. So you can go read all about it on the website, but there's a couple of different spots. You can get the link to get to the petition. Um, It is a packet. I do give you information as to dates. Uh, a sample one as to how to fill it out. So it's real. I made it as simple as I could, short of uh, handing you the piece of paper to sign and uh, a stamp, stamped envelope. Wow, if I get to talk today. Yeah. <laughs> so tell tell us why. Tell our, our subscribers, our listeners, why they should vote for you. Sure. So um, obviously, I'm a younger. Well, not obviously. You can't see me. I am a younger guy. Uh, I'm 30 years old. Uh, one of the things uh, I'm big into the NFA community. Um, you know, something that the NRA has gotten on board with, but it's taken them some time, you know, so I'm big into NFA firearms. I support the deregulation of, of things like that. Uh, but one of the biggest things I've been running on is had been an education platform um, that, like I said earlier in the show that, you know, I, I believe that the one-on-one education is the best way to advance gun rights because you're giving people a positive experience with something that they're either had no experience well with or a negative perception of. Um, and I, I think that's a very important message versus a, a fear-based message. And I think it resonates with more of a uh, general population than ones that are directed towards uh, somebody's coming to take your guns or the the left is evil. Because mm-hmm. uh, gun owners come in all political flavors. Um, just because somebody may be very liberal on social issues doesn't necessarily mean that they don't believe guns are equally important mm-hmm. that's um, one of the things that we that we preach on this show is that the the gun industry firearms industry second amendment people are probably the most diverse community there is of any community out there you've got male yeah. female black white different ethnicities you know asians different religious backgrounds different political affiliations and backgrounds sum it up, say again all american one way to sum it up it's all american there you go that's right. Way Mark. Yep. Man. Absolutely. Um, and you know the the other big thing I've been running on has been uh, the education of children uh, because children 
are the next generation of not only gun owners, but Second Amendment defenders and advocates. Um, so one of the things I'd like to see is a plan implemented to, and it's going to have to start with, you know, um, uh, not public schools, but private schools or even charter schools, but re-implementing firearms-related education classes so that kids can learn proper gun safety. Uh, I, I've been saying this from the beginning, but we teach kids about sex, we teach them about drugs, and we teach them how to operate vehicles based on our understanding that they're likely going to encounter all of these things. Why are we not teaching them about guns where there's a very high likelihood they'll encounter them as well? Mm-hmm. Is it simply because you, the majority of, I don't even want to say majority, a vocal minority of people are saying we don't like this thing we can't have it in schools because it scares us we don't understand us well there's plenty of people who don't want their kids to learn about sex in school they don't want them to learn about drugs in school uh they might not even want them to learn how to operate a vehicle in school but this is all part of the curriculum at some point in time so why are firearms not if you can teach a kid to safely handle a firearm and safely when they're young enough identify that it is a firearm and I need to go get somebody older to deal with this thing, you can prevent a lot of bad things from occurring. I propose that we get rid of algebra and replace it with firearms education. (laughs) (laughs) I'm cool with that. I wasn't good at math myself. One one thing I'd like to add is uh, we generally had firearms education up until the 1950s, uh, just because of the times we were in. Even myself, I used to have my shotgun hanging up the back of my Volkswagen Bug, you know, from the gun rack. <laughs> I didn't have a truck at the time. It was Volkswagen. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, you could bring it to school and you wouldn't get in trouble. Um, we had, you know, my son, when he was growing up, now he's a sergeant in the Marines, but the school called me and said um, he has a bullet in his pocket. And I said, okay, we were shooting at the range the other day. I mean, it's such a big deal now. Yeah. But that firearms education for our youth and just to familiarize them with it a little bit, uh, that should definitely come back. I'm all for what Amen. Adam. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, Adam, if you can uh, get on a, a kick and get that done, that'd be awesome. So, yeah, so I mean, tell us, here's, here's my... Uh, question i guess as far as the nra board of directors what is their function you know what why do they exist what what do they do so the the nra itself is it is a uh corporation um and like every corporation there is a board that's on it in this in this case there's a 76 member board 75 of those are three-year terms that are elected uh in the mail-in ballot 25 each year so it's a three-year term and then one that's at the annual meeting which is voted on by a a larger uh swath of the membership there um so they they have committees that are set up on different things they have legal committee they have uh, urban affairs committee uh, and they basically address the issues that the organization itself uh, sees and how to handle them um the problem you get when you have a board of 76 people, uh, as I'm sure you guys can probably guess, is that it's hard enough to get three people to agree on something. Mm-hmm. Getting 76 or a majority is still not something that really comes easily. So um, that does contribute, I think, a little bit to the NRA's slowness to adapt to things because you have uh, a variety of uh, board members, eight ranging in age and beliefs and backgrounds. 
Um, so it's not necessarily as quick and nimble as it uh, potentially could be. So, you know, that, that contributes, I think, a little bit to how the organization reacts to stuff. Uh, but they're basically in charge with directing the organization and, and how it functions. Okay, very good. So, uh, again, give them the, the website where they can go for the, the document that they need to sign and mail in. Yes. Uh, so, again, that's adamkrautmyname.com. Uh, you can type me in Google. You may find the legal brief pop-up. Um, so, or my website. I think my website usually is what's coming up first, but uh, either way, you'll be able to get to it. Okay, very good. And then the legal brief, uh, for those who aren't familiar with the legal brief, uh, tell us what that is real quick. Sure. Uh, so as you had mentioned earlier, I, I no stranger to uh, <laughs> putting myself on the internet. Into waves. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so on the Gun Collective, I have a uh, show called The Legal Brief, and the whole purpose of the show um, kind of actually centers around the whole education thing I was talking about. Uh, the whole purpose of the show is to dispel the legal myths and misinformation that's out there in the gun world. Um, you know, <laughs> gun gun shops were notorious for it. The internet still parrots a lot of bad information. The idea was to take a topic tell everybody what the state of the law is and put it in simple, easy to understand terms uh, as best I can. Sometimes it's a little difficult to do that, but make right. it easy so that the average person who doesn't have legal training can understand what the law expects of them um, and give them the source material so that they can even, you know, go look for themselves. And if they want, challenge me on it with the information saying, you know, Hey, this says this, you said that, why is that the case? Or I think you're wrong because, um, I have no problem and there's been one or two times where I have misstated something and I've come back out and said, you know what? I misstated something. I was incorrect yeah. um, because I want good information out there. I don't want right. to be a proponent of, of my pride getting in the way of, uh, you know, having the correct information available to individuals. So exactly. um, it's been today was actually the 50th episode. Oh, it's been congratulations. Released. Yeah, it's it's yeah. been a. <laughs> It's been a wild ride. Uh, it's been very well received, and uh, you know, I'm I'm glad uh, when people come up to me and tell me, uh, or email me, or send me a message saying, "Hey, I learned something," or I gave it to a friend who had a question, or I direct customers of the shop to here for information. That's awesome because that was the entire point of it was to put out good information for people to be able to utilize. Yeah, very good. Well, we need to have you back on to where we can talk about. Um, as I said earlier in the show, we we're going to talk about you know some some current um, legal things that were on the books uh, you know for our Second Amendment rights like the HPA um, things like that. But uh, we've run out of time, so we're going to have to have you back on, and we'll talk about those kind of things. And I know a lot of, of our listeners would like to have just like personal legal um, answers uh, questions answered as well. So um, <laughs> that's all. That always makes for good uh, a good show. So. We'll have Adam back on and, and talk about that. Um, Steve, we're going to get you yes. back on uh, when you can release that secret squirrel information that you've got. Um, I'll give you a heads up on it. Give us a heads up. We're going to have you back on. In the meantime, you lead heads, go check out uh, the Habu at Falcon37. Is it .com? Falcon37.com? Yes, sir. It's their website. Google the Habu. Uh, there's all kinds of YouTube videos out there. Uh, like you said, he's got that one with the uh, Steve Reichert. Yeah. Yep. Uh, he he does a sounds like he does a pretty good uh, video on uh, the uh, the usage of the Habu. And then hopefully in the meantime, uh, maybe I'll get my hands on one and uh, I can do some personal tests with it as well. Guys, thank you. you might, yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. 
we might have you. You might have boo me. <laughs> Hook a brother up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. I love that. You got to do so. You got to do like a patch with that or something. That would be cool. <laughs> but uh, guys, thank you again for being on uh, Leadheads. Uh, make sure you go and support those who support this show. We talked about Frontier Tactical today. Uh, obviously, great company. Steve can attest to that. Right on USA, official optics of Talking Lead. Modern Spartan Systems, optimize your firearms with Modern Spartan Systems. X-Steel Targets, the best, most affordable AR-500 steel targets on the market today. Check them out. Glock, check them out at us.glock.com, the official carry of Talking Lead. And I was in, uh, I mentioned earlier, I was in Chattanooga earlier this week at the Chattanooga Shooting Supply. Uh, I guess it's like dealer show or something like that. I was invited to come down. CJ Johnson was down there. Uh, He invited me to come down. And uh, saw a lot of our good friends, Mookie, Ben Thomas. Mookie Ben Thomas was down there with the Spikes Tactical. Uh, but he actually wasn't there with Spikes Tactical. He was there uh, helping a buddy of his who was with Smith & Bradley uh, Limited. Smith & Bradley makes watches, guys. Have you heard of these? Have you heard of them? Mm-mm. Excellent watches. Uh, they've got a, f- a full line uh, of different watches. And I actually uh, picked up one of their, I think it's called the Evolution, and it's a dive watch. Very high quality watches. Uh, I mean, these are like, you know, Rolex type quality watches here for fractions of the price. And they look good too. I quit wearing watches years ago, uh, just because I just, you know, I never found one that I really liked, didn't look good on me. And, uh, I got this one and it looks good. I made some, uh, posts on social media. You guys check it out, but go check out Smith and Bradley Limited. And they're awesome selection of watches that they have there. And they're very affordable watches, too. Classy. You know, they've got classy. They've got sporty. Uh, and they've got the tactical functional watches as well, like the one I've got. Go ahead, Steve. Just described right on optics and frontier tactical in a nutshell with what you said about them. You just did. There you go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's the only kind of people I deal with, Steve. So yeah, you seeing a pattern? Seeing a Class pattern? Act. There you go. Yeah. There's a pattern to my madness. So, <laughs> uh, what have I got coming up? I've got a trip to Michigan coming up. I'm going to be hanging out with my buddy, uh, Bill, who's with FLEOA, the Federal Law Enforcement Officer Association. And uh, we're going to be doing uh, some camping, some horseshoeing, just hanging out, having a good time. Uh, and then October's coming up. We've got the Big Three East media event coming up and the Iraq Veteran YouTube shoot coming up. What about you guys? You guys going to be traveling around? Where can uh, our leadheads run into you across the country here? Uh, as for Falcon 3-7, we're just going to be staying pretty much regional in southeast, and uh, we will hit SHOT Show in a big way Okay. this this coming January. Coming January. So, and we'll and, be there to cover it. A little bit of us will be in uh, the Safari Land booth, most likely, gotcha. uh, because we, you know, oh, yeah. our manufacturer. There you go. That makes sense. Adam, yeah. what about you? Uh, I'm going to likely be at SHOT Show. Uh, the law firm does a, now it's only an annual machine gun shootout in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Uh, you can check out blog.princelaw.com for details on that if you're somewhat local to the area there. Um, I'll make a drive that, for a machine gun shoot. <laughs> yeah. It's uh it, it's not it's not a huge one by any means, but it's usually really well attended and there's there's always some neat stuff there. Um I just drove up to Ohio for one, so yeah, I'll go to Pennsylvania oh, okay. for one. Hell yeah. 
All right. Um, and other than that, uh, I may find myself back up in New Hampshire here in the near future. Uh, I was up there, I guess, two weeks ago visiting Q, uh, checking out their stuff. They did a Instagram hangout uh, where they had a panel, and I, I didn't know, but I was sitting on the panel, so that was kind of a <laughs> surprise yeah. after I got there. Did you say Q, uh, Quentin? Yeah. Quentin yeah. Carter? Uh, Q, yeah, as in like... As in I don't know anything that starts with Q. Quentin. Kazoo is K. <laughs> as in Quentin Carter. The, yeah, Quentin. yeah, yeah. The okay. personal uh, protection bodyguard of, uh, what's his name, Alex Jones? Uh, okay. Yeah, you didn't know that? No, now I do. Yeah. Yes. Um, so we had I, Quentin yeah. on the show at NRA. He was on also with us and uh, talked about his new gig he's got with uh, Alex Jones. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, it is pretty cool. Uh, so I was up there checking out their stuff. Uh, the Fix is an awesome rifle. I'm, I'm super pumped for for that. Thing. What is the fix? So it's a uh, bolt action. Uh, right now it's chambered in 308 or I think it's 65 Creedmoor. Uh-huh. Um, they're working on a 223 300 blackout version, but it is a gnarly white lightweight precision rifle that uh, I just have to have. Who's making so it? So I will uh, Q uh, Kevin Brittingham's new company. Hmm. Oh, so that's the name of the company. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so it's not Q Quentin Carter that you were talking uh, about. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm sorry. I, I didn't mean to confuse you there. <laughs> you confused yeah, me, yeah. Uh, no, they, they're making... Uh, now i got to edit all that shit out, because now it's not going to make sense. <laughs> I'm just kidding. That's fine. Uh, yeah, Q, what is this? So that's a company. Q is a manufacturer. Yes. Okay. Yep. It's, it's owned by Kevin Brittingham, uh, who you may know from Advanced Armament Corporation, the, the original AAC. AAC. Uh, also worked at Sig Silencers for a little bit, uh, then decided he was going to go out and do his own thing. And um, you know they're making some badass silencers, and, and this rifle is just the innovation, in baby, innovation. I it's love like it. Hat me out. Yep. Uh, yep. So yeah. Uh, other than that, I, you know, like I said, machine gun shoot, shot show, uh, Great American Outdoor Show in February. I'll likely be there if you're coming up to Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. Um, but that's all that's on the horizon as of right now. Okay, but in the meantime, they can go to uh, the Gun Collective and yep. check out your show. You can see my ugly mug on a weekly basis. Weekly basis, <laughs> and then uh, we'll have you back on again soon. So that does it for another episode of the Talking Lead Show, guys. Thank you again for tuning in. Make sure you go to iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, YouTube, wherever it is you download, listen to us. Give us some feedback there. Uh, rate us, um, whatever they ask for there. Um, star ratings, I don't know how they do it on all of them, but uh, that helps us move up in the rankings. So please do that for us. And in celebration of our 200th episode, which we're on 212, this this uh, this episode's 212, we're still giving away stuff. So stay tuned. We've got some awesome prizes that we're going to be giving away uh, next episode. So stay tuned for that. And until then... As always, Leadheads, keep your loved ones close. And, and your, your firearms closer. Close. And your Falcon 3-7 Habu closer. And your pro-Second Amendment Council closer. Perfect. <laughs> All right, guys, we'll be back next week. Snakes. Why did it have to be snakes? Asps. Very dangerous. You go first. <laughs> <laughs>